Hello and welcome back to Fan Theory. I'm Alex Bice here at the Fan Theory Podcast. Joining me is Felicia Wellington Riddell. Hello. Hey, Felicia. Hello. How are you? Yep. Sure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's not a wrestling episode, so Felicia is back. I'm back, guys. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, 2018, which I almost said earlier this year, but no, this is 2019. Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only doing it because it makes you mad. It's uh, the seventh, mo- seventh month of 2019 and somehow still February. Yes. Anyway. Last year, 2018, uh, Felicia and I had the uh, distinct privilege uh, to uh, tell all of you about a terrific film from Mr. Spike Lee, Black Klansman. You've probably seen it by now. It was a pretty significant hit for him, and uh, it was nominated for six Academy Awards. Uh, We are fortunate enough today to be joined by that film's screenwriters, East Brunswick's own Charlie Watchell and David Rabinowitz. Felicia, so many months after first seeing Black Klansman, um, how did you enjoy the chance to sit down and really break down the film and its whole process of being made with Charlie and David? Oh, I was waiting for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed when we couldn't get them on the phone uh, right af- as the movie was pre- – right after we saw, like, the press screening before the movie premiered. Right. Um, because we thought we'd get a chance to talk to them, and then it just – nothing worked out schedule-wise. And I was like, man, I'd love to circle back and get to talk to them. I had so many questions. And then here's the chance in the 15th month of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> but, on, but honestly, and yes, we did, uh, folks out there in fan theory land, we did try to bring you this conversation many months ago, but it's happening now. Yeah, and we're so super excited it's happening now. We don't always get that chance. So. But um, looking at the silver lining of things, I'm actually – it's kind of better and more comfortable to be talking about the film now because, A, I've had a chance to see it a second time. I'm not sure if you saw it a second time. Yeah, I've seen it twice. Okay. We got to intro it at Count Yes, we did. That was amazing. And also, um, now that the film has been out for so many months, um, I believe you can rent it and it's on on-demand stuff like that. Um, now the film has been out for a while, we can talk about the ending. Too. And we can talk about the ending, which we kind of felt was a spoiler when it first premiered last year, so we didn't discuss it. But now, given the Oscar buzz, more people have seen it, yes. and this has just led to richer conversation. Absolutely. And it was really fascinating talking with Charlie and David about their original vision for the film alongside Ron Stallworth and then how the how the script th- evolved through the input of Jordan Peele and then when Spike Lee came on board. And I could keep telling you, but... We could just let Charlie and David just talk. Just let them talk. So uh, Academy Award nominees, East Brunswick's own Charlie Watchell, David Rabinowitz. Uh, you're going to hear our conversation with them about Black Klansmen. Then Felicia and I are going to check back in for a couple minutes and talk about our thoughts on this year's Academy Awards. So, uh, guys, I guess, you know, just to start at the beginning, uh, how did this project initially come together? Is it something where one of the two of you first came across Ron Stallworth's book? Or how, how did the ball get rolling on the screenplay for what eventually became the film Black Klansman? We, uh, we just came across a new story. I was uh, scrolling on my Facebook book feed. This is Charlie. And um, we, we read the story. There was a link to the memoir that Ron wrote on Kindle. We ordered the book on Kindle. We loved it, and we thought to ourselves, this is a movie. Um, but we also thought that somebody probably nabbed the rights to it or something. So 
we did a little research, found out that it was, you know, available, and emailed the publisher of the book. It was a small-time publisher. The book really wasn't in bookstores. And that put us in touch with Ron's manager, who then put us in touch with Ron. Huh. So from there, we, we started talking to Ron, and, and we presented our vision for what the film could be, and essentially just asked Ron Stallworth for permission to adapt uh, a script based on his memoir. And Ron was fine with it, and so the three of us, me, Charlie, and Ron, just set about developing a, a script <laughs> For, uh, for, for the movie. Fascinating. Now, what was it like working and collaborating with director Spike Lee, with whom you share writing credit, along with Kevin Wilmot? You know, when, when we heard... It, I mean, there, there was this... Um, it, was a, it was a bit of a process getting from us initially adapting the memoir, which, which that process started in 2015, to when Spike Lee got involved. Um, before that, we had... We had written a script and we had gotten it to a producer named Sean Reddick that Charlie knew. And Sean told us that they were working on this thing called Get Out with Jordan Peele mm-hmm. and that Jordan might be interested. So we, uh, we gave the script to them and they got it to Jordan and Jordan read it. And Jordan came on as a producer and even gave us uh, feedback that we used for a rewrite. And then, of course, what happened, Get Out came out and it was the biggest thing in the world. And uh, so suddenly, Jordan and the producers could go to anyone, and there was one person uh, top of the list, and that was Spike Lee. So Jordan brought it to Spike, and when Spike got onto the project, producers told us that Spike and his writing partner, Kevin Wilmot, wanted to do a, um, a rewrite. And so at that point, we essentially handed the, the, uh, the baton off. That's 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 really that's really interesting. So then, at that point, once Spike came on board, then he and uh, then he and Kevin kind of, I guess, at that point, he and Kevin kind of settled in and and tweaked the screenplay some more until it became the format that that we see on screen today. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, all four of you share that Academy Award nomination. Um, Spike Lee, this is his first Academy Award nomination. The movie has also received Golden Globes nominations, SAG nominations, and, you know, if we're just being super honest here, there's often a criticism that films as candidly about race, such as Black Klansmen, or starring a black lead or an all-black cast, you know, often are ignored when it comes to award times or award accolades. And I know that's not the most important thing, but it can kind of feel like a slap in the face when, you know, you have such great content or context or such an important message um, and such great performances as well. What do you think makes this film stand out? Why do you think now is the right time or that this film is the one where they finally open their ears and open their eyes? I think everybody recognizes that this is a film for its time. And I think that is part of why it's getting all the accolades and all the attention. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, Spike, Spike likes to say that um, David Duke and uh, Trump were sort of co-writers on the film. Um, this this project was in process when we started working on it. Barack Obama was still president. Um, in the midst of working on it, uh, in, the, in the midst of handing off the project to Spike and Kevin, uh, everything with 
Trump started to happen. So we, we could not have Trump, The Trump stuff started happening before we handed off the spike in Kevin. It started happening right. it, it was when hmm. we were it even hired to drop it. Right. right, it was in process. So we could not have... Um, we could not have planned um, how relevant the project was going to be when we started working on it. Um, and so the, 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 the relevance to the headlines and also, you know, candidly that it, it did well, um, well enough commercially, uh, you know, uh, uh, relative to its budget. Um, and the, the fact, honestly, if you want to talk about awards, the fact that the demographics of these um, bodies, such as the Academy, are changing. They're getting younger, they're getting more diverse, and it feels like there's a tide that is changing in Hollywood, however slowly. Uh, you know, for, for a film like Black Klansman, which strives to speak so candidly and in, in, in such an open way about issues of, of race, of religion, of gender... Um, I'm just wondering, for both of you, Charlie and David, how much of your own perspectives and your own life experiences wound up finding their way into this narrative as you were helping to bring Ron Stallworth's story to the screen? More than you would know, uh, you know, this is something, the subject matter was the, the fact that we, uh, sorry, the, the Adam Driver character wasn't Jewish in the book. That was the decision we made. Um, and certainly wasn't a way in for us to better connect with the material, but also we we ended up doing that mostly for practical reasons because we were going to be with the driver character so much um, since he had so much screen time. You, you take all of your life experiences um, outside of the research that you're doing for a project, and every aspect of your life uh, kind of, Fills into the world that you create. We were, um, we, it's funny, Charlie and I kind of both separately um, grew up kind of fascinated by the, 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 the clan. Um, you know, and we're both Jewish, so that was, the, that was always something that was in the, in the back of our minds. And when we started researching David Duke, who, of course, if you've seen the film, kind of emerges as the central villain of the piece, um, both in the story and in the, the real-life coda, <laughs> um, you find that um, he has a special... Um, uh, he, he has it in for, for the Jews. <laughs> Definitely other groups uh, mm. as well, but for him, it's like Jews are enemy number one. So from that angle, we were able to sort of find our way into this story um, and, uh, you know, which is of course important, even at the same time, our number one priority, even though it was important to have our, our way in, our number one priority was to help tell Ron's story. And that makes sense. But I do have to say, uh, when a Adam Driver actually says, well, I guess it was really Ron, the Ron Stallworth line, but when he talks about having skin in the game, I mean, that's still pretty powerful. He could have just been any generic guy, but just to see him emotionally say, wow, I didn't even think about how this affects me too until it affected me and I was denying it. Uh, that really puts things into perspective in the film. Yeah, for, for sure. And uh, we're, we're really happy how that storyline played out because, you know, um, I think a lot of Jewish Americans can see 
part of themselves in the Adam Driver character. Mm -hmm. Now, you kind of touched on it before, and it was a question that I had, but if you guys wanted to go in a little deeper, if we, you know, as we have time, um, you can feel that contemporary resonance in this movie. Um, there's that kind of foreshadowing, the parallels to, two, like, 2016 plus. Um, there, you know, just even if you remove completely the, the obvious current news footage from the end. Um, and, you know, my question was just if that was always going to be the buildup and the focus or if some of that was added later, especially given how the writing went for this film. Yeah, that was all Spike's decision. And how did you feel about that? The footage. Um, yeah, I mean, it really resonates with people. Um, it, it definitely packs an emotional punch, gut punch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly effective. I mean, I, Echoing what Charlie said earlier, when we first started writing it, you know, none of this, the, the world was a very different place. Obama was in office. When we did the rewrite, the Trump mania was happening. So we started to put a few things in there, here and there. Uh -huh. uh, but then when Spike and Kevin did, the, did their rewrite, uh, the Trump thing was in full swing, and they decided to go just, you know, you know, writing, you know, there's a scene with Ron and, and his, his sergeant, Sergeant Trapp, where they, you know, they, they pretty clearly, uh, one of, one of the main thesis of the, of the film, um, with, you know, where they talk about how David Duke is trying to, to sell hate to the mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that scene, that stuff, uh, the mo more overt references to Trump were added by Speck and Kevin later. We just, we started the ball rolling. Okay. So, guys, what's next? Uh, we have, um, <laughs> yeah, we have, we have a lot of things, a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, we have, uh, as far as what's announced already, uh, Satcher Island, which we're working on with uh, Fox 2000 and Berlanti Productions, mm -hmm. which is um, an action thriller about uh, this, Boston hitman in the 1960s, Joe Barboza, who becomes the first person put in the American Witness Protection Program, and that's a, and that's it's like a, it's like a witness protection origin story, <laughs> origin story. That's yeah, really interesting. So we're writing that right now. Right now, okay. Yeah, as we speak. <laughs> Keep us posted on that one. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, congratulations on the Academy Award nomination, and congratulations on all the accolades the film has. Uh, received so far. It was it was great talking to both of you, and please keep us posted on future projects. We would love to check in with you again. And we're back. What a conversation. What a conversation. What a conversation. Uh, again, thank you very much to Charlie and David for talking about Black Klansman with us. That film is nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor for Adam Driver, who's incredible in the film. Um, and it already won a Grammy for uh, a piece from Terrence Blanchard's score, and it just won the BAFTA, the British Oscar, for Best Adapted Screenplay. So the film is doing really well on the awards circuit. The Oscars are... Uh, next Sunday, February 24th, starting at 8 p.m. on ABC. And uh, Felicia and I are going to talk a little bit about this year's Oscars, the 91st Annual Academy Awards. What do you think about the Oscars, Felicia? I don't uh -huh. know why I said it like that. I don't either. <laughs> so unrelated but related, 
a year ago, February 13th this week, Valentine's Day, we went to see the press screening for Black Panther. Wow, that was a year ago? That was a year ago. Yesterday as we record this, yes. Yeah. So it's amazing to me because when we saw it, we knew we were seeing something special. And boy, do people want to fight it. They want to tell you how it's not that great a movie. And, and well, haters going to hate because it's a very good movie. It's a f- great film. It's a great superhero movie. It was a great entry in the Marvel subscription plan. Mm-hmm. It It's got so much working for it. And we were there to witness kind of that history. And we knew that it deserved many things. Um we even talked here just about how sometimes there's the thought that, well, the awards aren't the end-all be-all because there's so many things that don't get awards that are far more deserving than the things that do. But the things that get awards get all of the attention, the accolades, and the money, right? Yeah. And so there is something to winning the big ones. And to be here a year later, even on kind of, I guess, the industry side of things, and to see such a deserving film, a film that really started a movement, that really highlighted and forced, I believe, you know, audiences to take notice of something Mm -hmm. and now get all these awards. You know, not the awards. They got some awards. It's getting a lot of nominations. And as we wait for the actual airing and announcements of the winners of the Academy Awards. I I don't know. I'm pretty inspired by that. I mean, I know that I've kind of had some ups and downs this award season yeah. where it felt like, thank you for nominating, but would have been better if maybe you had awarded or seeing some films that I believe to not be very deserving, if, if anything, far more problematic. Yeah. Um, than just not good, (laughs) Uh, get the spotlight. Um, I'm still inspired and pleased that things like Black Panther, Black Klansmen are taking notice, that are receiving these discussions, are receiving these audiences. And I I think that, you know, films, movies, Hollywood, even television will be all the better for it. Absolutely. I remember... And to show you how much Hollywood and the industry and culture is changing and how quickly the change is is happening, in the lifespan of fan theory, I remember our first Oscar previews episode had Dylan Marin, um, uh, who has the uh, the great podcast conversations with people who hate me, and before that had the great YouTube series, Every Single Word. Um, And that was very much a a of-the-moment conversation uh, a very necessary conversation that we were a part of about um, situations like Oscars So White. And I'm not saying everything's better because it's not. But when you have Black Panther and Black Klansmen both being really strong contenders at this year's Academy Awards, it shows that there has been progress. And, and that's cool. Even more wonderful films that maybe haven't got as much as, like, you know, um, Bill Street or, yeah. you know, Sorry to Bother You, which is like maybe an entirely other category. But there are just these films out there that are getting a little bit more notice. And I'm not saying just because they have black people involved or black people in them. That's not it. It's more along the lines of they've had the opportunities to make these great films and for them to be released to these mass audiences. And that would not have been, I think, as possible I don't even know why I said I think. They would not have been as possible even as little as 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, Black Panther <laughs> is a uh, a black director, majority black cast, superhero movie, 
released by Disney slash Marvel in February. With an Afrocentric plot. Yes. <laughs> Those movies don't win Oscars is the conventional wisdom anyone would scream at you from the rooftops as recently as, say, two years it ago. It would be described as other and it would be set aside. And But everything about it tells you it's a great film. Yes. Why can't it be rewarded it, with the other it, great it films? It deserves and demands to be taken seriously. Exactly. Uh, granted, the Academy still has a long ways to go in other areas of representation. Exactly. And I just, I I don't know. I mean, this is stuff we've talked about with like Roxanne Gay or Dylan Marin. There, there is the question of, well, is it enough? And you shouldn't be satisfied if it's not. And usually I'm staunchly there, like, well, psh, why didn't you just keep going? But at the same time, I am still quite pleased that these things are taking that notice. Like, it makes me so happy that this movie that could have been ignored for so many things is refusing. Like, you can't ignore it. It does make me happy, yeah. um, even if the other problematic things exist. And I, with, with this year's Academy Awards, there's it's an interesting year because there isn't one – entirely dominant frontrunner. Like, it feels like most years, by by the time we're this close to the Oscars, you know, less than a week or a week or so out, you have a pretty good idea of how things are going to shake out. And I don't think anyone does this year. I mean, of the eight Best Picture nominees, there are four that I really like, three of which I think have a good chance at winning. I think there's going to be some safe choices. Oh, there will be I mean, Glenn Close is, you know, she already has the Oscar for this year. The actual winners will probably disappoint me, but the nominations have made me happy. Yeah. And it's the nomination that counts. (laughs) I mean, that's where I'm standing, right? Yeah. I I think it's not like I have an Academy vote. (laughs) No, but Academy, get at us. We want to be on the. We want to be Just members saying. of the Academy. How do we make that happen? I don't want to force you to have hosts because your show is already eight hours long, and there are a bunch of awards that you're not even giving out on the show, like more than you already didn't. So maybe you don't. But at the same time, Alex and I are totally free that day. Yeah, I I could fly to LA to host <laughs> or do other things. Yeah, <laughs> we have an open day that day. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that in a nutshell, those are some of my Oscars thoughts that, you know, in, in a, you know, the show itself is what it is. It's a little over long and probably doesn't need a host, but I'm very pleased by the nominations, but I don't know where we're going to be with the wins at the same time, just looking where we were a year ago when it came to pop culture, culture, yeah. Um, you know, racial conversations and the type of the media, the content that we have. I don't know. I like seeing these things get richer and deeper and more representative of the audiences that watch them. Uh, two two nice things I can say about the Oscars this year is I'm fairly confident that Enter the Spider Verse is going to win Best Animated Feature, yeah. and that's a very good that's a very very good thing indeed. Um, it's a great film. It's an important film. And it's a film that deserves to be honored, and by all accounts, it will be. Um, and also, I really appreciate how in this year's Best Director category, the con is that the the downside is that there are no non-male identifying uh, filmmakers represented in the category. That sucks. That's bad. But I do appreciate that of the five nominees, only two are Americans. And there is a very wide global spectrum of artistic perspectives in this year's Best Director category. I think that's pretty cool. And I can't remember a field like that for a long time. So... 
good on you, Academy, but do better next time. <laughs> but I think that's just what we could say every year about the Oscars. Well, as you know, as we vary availability of the type of films that are out there, that's more likely to become the thing that they reward those directors, they reward those writers, right? Yeah. And so I like that we're getting more access to such a diverse type of content. I mean, look at Roma, right? Mm -hmm. I know Netflix had to kind of shove it into a few theaters to give it that run to make it um, eligible. But where would where would we be without Netflix deciding, okay, we are really going to just put money to all sorts of content? Yeah, this was so. a really good year for Netflix between Roma and the, the new Coen Brothers movie. Uh, Buster Scruggs got, I think, four nominations, which no one saw coming. But, hey... I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. It was fine. I'm just saying. It's, but it's it's so super niche Coen Brothers. Like, even I, one of the biggest Coen Brothers fans I know, I was like, this is a little too Coen Brothers for me. But it's... You and your other Coen Brothers fan. Yeah, we have... You we, know. Does Al like the Coen Brothers? I think he does. Isn't... I don't know. Maybe. Let's find out. Hey, if you guys don't remember our other co-host, Al. Hey, Al. <laughs> I miss Al. Yeah, me too. I don't too. know why I said that. I just talked to him like two days ago. Oh, yeah? How's he doing? <laughs> He's fine. Oh, He's good. He's a baby now. Yes, he does. And a dog. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. What are your thoughts on the Oscars, Al? <laughs> Colin. Yes. We miss you. Colin to this totally pre-recorded show. <laughs> hey. <laughs> anyway, man, if, you, if he could pull that off, though, I'd be impressed. Yeah. Um, From the future, future, future. He's like the Flash in his favorite movie, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> I had to. Oh, anyway, those are some of our thoughts on the Oscars this year. Um, thank you again to Charlie Watchell and David Rabinowitz of East Brunswick, uh, screenwriters for Black Klansmen. Best of luck to them and all of our other New Jersey nominees at the Oscars this year. I'm, I'm thinking about SZA, nominated for Best Song for All the Stars from Black Panther. Yes. And Mark Shaman, uh, nominated for uh, one of the songs and the score for Mary Poppins Returns. So congratulations, Jersey folks. Best of luck to you on Oscar night. Again, the Oscars are 8 p.m. Sunday, February 24th on ABC. Um, I'll probably tweet about it so watch me on twitter if you feel like it i'll probably read other people's tweets about it i'm just kidding i'll watch the first four hours or so they're promising to bring in this ceremony at a brisk three hours uh-huh so I'll probably watch the first four hours or so? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, for the Asbury Park Press, USA Today Network, and the Fan Theory Podcast, I've been Alex Bice. Felicia Wellington Riddell. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of Fan Theory. The Fan Theory Podcast is part of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. You can listen to new episodes every Friday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please leave us a review and let us know what you think. For the latest updates, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and visit us at abp.com slash fan theory, where you can subscribe to our weekly fan theory newsletter. Bye.